You're listening to Energy Insiders, a weekly update on clean energy and climate policy with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading energy analyst David Leach. Energy Insiders is brought to you by Evergen, powering the transition to a resilient, renewable, decentralised energy system of the future. And SolarAy, experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Energy Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy. And joining me as usual is ITK ITK Services Analyst David Leach. David, how are you? Giles, I'm uh, I'm well, thanks. And I trust all our listeners uh, are getting back into the swing of things as the lockdowns uh, here in Australia gradually lift. Well, there's certainly a lot more people around and um, a lot more things happening. I'm not too sure what happens inside offices because, um, like you, I don't work in one. So, um, But I suspect that the, most of them are pretty empty. But, um, look, it's good to see that people are taking their minds a little bit off COVID and getting back into looking into the energy markets. And certainly we're seeing and very gratified to receive a, a rebound in the um, in the page views and the listens on the New Economy website and also the Energy Insiders podcast because... Um, I guess, like us, everyone's attention was focused on COVID, uh, but um, now it's getting back to normality. David, today we've actually got a fair bit to talk about, but I just think I want to go straight into the interview that we've just completed. Um, Really interesting character, Ben Burge. He's the head, and they don't actually seem to have formal titles here at Belong, which is uh, one of the brands being put out by uh, Telstra. Um, He's also part of the Telstra Energy team and quite an important player in the team. And, uh, well, let's have a listen to our conversation with Ben Burge. Ben Burge, thanks for joining the Energy Insiders podcast. Thanks for having me. Look, um, a lot to talk about, both in your roles at Belong and also at Telstra. But let's start off with Belong and your new information now about the amount of emissions that comes from internet or mobile data and um, what people can do about it. But um, first, you better remind us exactly what Belong is. So Belong is a telecommunications business that uh, provides mobile plans and also uh, broadband internet for for households mm-hmm. but it's part of telstra isn't it so how does it differentiate itself from telstra or is it just like a sub-brand type thing uh it's a it's a sub-brand where we sort of tackle um the part of the market where where you know customers are uh, pretty sophisticated it's brand. and it's yeah that we we like you know we like serving smart customers who don't like to waste their money Fair enough. Um, and um, so, look, tell us about this new survey that you've done, and this sort of um, just discovery that um, that most customers or very few people actually understand that um, mobile data creates or creates energy use, I suppose, and from their emissions. Yeah. So, I think you know, being in lockdown during COVID, right? There's no. There's a really great demonstration of the fact that you know, telecommunication services are capable of, um, you know, driving emissions reduction in the Australian economy, right? And we've seen that in terms of, you know, people working from home, taking cars off the road, um, you know, modernising industry, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that's not the whole truth. Like there is, notwithstanding that that massive um, sort of decarbonising force, uh, you know, mobile data does have its own carbon signature. 
Um, and primarily that's because the provision of, of mobile data is an energy intensive activity. And as you know, in Australia, we've got a grid that's, that's um, pretty carbon intensive uh, in terms of, you know, per megawatt hour. So um, this is one of these classic sort of everyday activities that, that customers engage in um, where they're completely removed from the combustion processes that give rise to emissions. And so, um, you know, in Australia, more than half of our emissions are related to um, energy or electricity usage. Uh, and so the idea of this campaign um, is to enable customers to understand, you know, what is that carbon, what we're calling their carbon thumbprint, um, what does that look like? Um, and so to drive awareness and then obviously make it really easy to neutralise that carbon um, thumbprint by switching to a carbon neutral telco. Mm. You notice in your survey that 54% of Australians don't understand what it means to be carbon neutral. Um, perhaps you can help us along there and tell us exactly what it does mean to be carbon neutral. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't, I don't blame them um, for, you know, I think it's, it's no surprise that, um, you know, in, in the survey results that we got, I think, um, you know, business and we, we count ourselves in that, in this bucket, um, you know, we've got to do a better job of uh, making this stuff real for, for customers. Uh, and so, you know, the concept of carbon neutral is recognising the fact that, um, you know, most businesses, uh, particularly those that use energy, uh, you know, result in um, or cause emissions in the in the in the course of their activity, uh, and the process of going carbon neutral and and we use the um, Australian government's climate active standard for this purpose. Um, that means um, investing in projects that um, offset or abate an equivalent amount of um, carbon emissions, so that the um, the companies. Um, uh, position on a net basis um, results in zero emissions. Mm -hmm. And this mostly then is done, I guess, through um, the fact that Belong is sourcing most of its electricity needs, as is Telstra, um, broad, more broadly, um, through renewables or zero carbon uh, electricity sources, or is it a series of offsets? I mean, it's probably time sometime soon in this conversation to talk about uh, you're also head of Telstra Energy and, um, and Telstra Energy and Telstra just recently committed to go um, carbon neutral, I think, by 2020 and 100% renewables yeah. by 2025. But um, so it all, it all revolves basically around sourcing zero emissions electricity, doesn't it? Yeah, so there's a there's a few moving parts in this, and and uh, it's probably worth reflecting that this this move to go carbon neutral by Belong, and then you know, Telstra's move to go carbon neutral in 2020, um, they're actually just a couple of steps in what's been a really long journey for Telstra, and you know its its role in decarbonising the economy. So if you go back um, a few years, and you know we caught up on this at the time. Um, Telstra was one of the first um, companies in Australia to um, uh, really underwrite large-scale renewable projects, renewable energy projects, um, via a grid-connected power purchase agreement. And in the second one of those, we actually built a, uh, we did that via a syndicate where we led a, led a syndicate that included ANZ, uh, University of Melbourne, Monash University and Coca-Cola. And so... Um, that, that really sort of changed the markets, market for PPAs in Australia and enabled customers who otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't be buying at the sort of scale that makes PPAs work. Um, it gave them access to this new instrument. And, and 
you know, this this is not, you know, those activities are not not simply a sort of, you know, a, a paper money shuffle. Um, by underwriting, you know, the revenue stream that, that is needed to finance those types of projects, we actually drove, um, you know, an increase in, in re renewable energy being injected into the grid. So we lifted the renewable mix um, of the Australian energy market. And, yeah, we're keen to back get back out there and do another one of those deals. I think COVID sort of you know made life a little bit more difficult in terms of um, closing out transactions. But um, right now, those those deals, those types of deals, represent you know, generation, um, and we are the market generator for those assets. Um, generation that represents uh, more than thirty percent of our underlying consumption, and so that's a that's a Don't good start. Um, Go on, Josh. Sorry, Ben. I was just going to ask about that. Uh, um, yeah, when I looked at uh, Telstra Group's um, uh, sustainability report, the data pack, mm. uh, it says that you have mm. like uh, uh, Telstra, you ha ha group has about one and a half terawatt hours of electricity consumption. I mean, I just did that. You report in gigajoules, and I, I did a conversion, or at least I asked the internet yep. to do a conversion you're, for me. Yeah, no, you're, you're bang on. That's that's yeah, that's about right. One and a half um, terawatt hours. And, and, you know, if I look at the uh, Emerald Solar Farm, that's about 0.17 of a terawatt hours. And I don't know what uh, share of Marawara you've got because I don't think that was ever properly disclosed. Mm. But I, I, I guess, mm. I mean, I, I guess my point is, you, as you say, you might be up to 30%, but I mean, the whole grid's at 20%. Um, there's still a bit of a way to go, isn't there, really? Oh, no, totally, totally. And, and um, which is why we're back out in market, right? So, you know, the other thing that, um, and this one's a little bit counterintuitive, but, you know, Telstra has uh, probably the largest, certainly in Australia, it's the, the largest distributed um, standby power asset fleet in the country. All right, so that consists of several hundred megawatt hours, so, sorry, several hundred megawatts of um, ultra peak um, generation and about a gigawatt hour worth of um, battery storage. Um, now, over the next, you know, sort of seven odd years, uh, the replenishment of that battery fleet, you can imagine, you know, with the transition to five minute pricing in the NEM um, and things like that, uh, you know, those sort of assets actually becoming incredibly important in terms of, um, you know, meeting the demands of what is gonna be a more, um, you know, a uh, 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 generation mix that's characterised by more intermittent formats. And so, um, you know, Telstra is already contributing about 70 megawatts worth of um, capacity um, via, the, via the spot market. Um, and we do that uh, in a way that not only reduces the price for all Australians um, by shaving the peaks, but also we um, reduce the probability of blackouts in, in major regions. And so that's sure. actually had and the effect of enabling a higher proportion of renewable energy being injected into the grid by others. I'm sure Giles will want to ask about all those batteries, which I presume are mainly lead acid, or I know, although I know that um, uh, What's-Its-Name wants to get its flow batteries in there as well. But uh, I just uh, wanted to ask one more simple question about the mm. uh, electricity, the one and a half terawatt hours. It, I mean, do you run a data centre? Where, where, where do you actually consume all that electricity? Yeah, so... Um, if you think about, you know, and I, um, dangerous for me to suggest that I'm a physicist, right? But um, actually, it's the conversion of energy formats, if you think about it. So radio waves, you know, transmission of zeros and ones, 
at the end of the day, it's it's about you know how do you how do you how do you propagate that you know that signal? It takes energy. It's one one form of energy being turned into another. So wherever that stuff is happening in our business, um, and it's you know it's across thousands of um, exchange buildings, um, yeah, many many kilometres of cable, and obviously towers all over the country. Um, all of those bits of equipment require um, power in order to in, in order to operate and um, you know, get signals to the Australian population at all times. So um, data centres are a big part of it. Um, uh, big, uh, obviously, you know, cable infrastructure and, and the mobile uh, mobile towers, they all suck juice. Um, and so to, to the extent that we've got important infrastructure, you know, peppered throughout the nation, um, you know, where they're grid connected, we draw from the grid, um, but also we need to make sure that those assets continue to operate when the grid goes down or if the grid goes down. Um, and so having come out of the energy industry and thinking that, you know, people get a bit shirty when, um, you know, when the power goes out, I can tell you that's nothing compared to the hatred you cop when the, when the Facebook or the, or the Twitter feed is interrupted for more than 30 seconds. I guess, and I'll hand him back to Giles, but I guess the, the advantage when the Twitter feed and everything goes out for 30 seconds, at least no one can tell you how they're feeling, which is probably uh, what you want at that time. But anyway, back to you, Giles. <laughs> I might let you comment on that one, Ben. <laughs> they they um, always find they, a way. They always find a way, they do, so. don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Look, David was quite right. I did want to ask about the battery. So, I mean, I think it is predominantly lead-acid battery. So, you presumably, I mean, well, are you going to replace them with lithium-ion? And, and to what extent, uh, I mean, it's quite a resource of lead-acid of batteries that you've got there. Now, I'm guessing that a lot of them are actually standalone and off-grid. Does that mean that yeah. you may find a way of looking to connect them to the grid so you can actually provide more grid services and become a bigger player in the market? Yeah. So, um, all of your comments are 100% right. Um we, we have uh, experimented with uh, lithium iron and, and other um, you know, storage formats over the years. Uh, what's really, really encouraging is the um, compound average rate of um, improvement that we're seeing in the installed cost of lithium iron. Um, and we see that that curve is you know, not showing um, you know, any massive or, or significant flattening over the next, you know, five years. So, uh, you know, whereas these these projects were quite challenging um, sort of four years ago, um, now they're looking uh, much more attractive commercially. So um, particularly for an organisation like Telstra where, um, you know, we have to have storage regardless of the market participation factor, right? So it's not, we don't need the market participation equation um, to entirely cover the the capital cost of the of the asset because we've got a, a requirement for the asset um, for network resilience anyway, um, and so we're we're very encouraged by the prospects of you know modernising the fleet over the next seven years. Um, you know we're seeing uh, you know some changes in in the um, you know market rules and market structures that are conducive to this, and I've, I've mentioned earlier five minute pricing. We think that's a you know that's a great move um, uh, for Australia. Uh, in terms of encouraging those sort of formats into the grid and making those signals less inefficient um, as between things like gas versus um, versus batteries. So, yeah, we're very encouraged by that. But you're right, uh, you know, the, where we stand today, the, the, the portfolio is predominantly um, in less lead-acid formats that are less conducive to being connected to the grid. 
just on that five-minute pricing, are you putting in a submission to as to whether that um, you support the idea that it might get delayed by a year? Oh, look, we, you know, we're sort of less, we're less exposed um, to the timing of that, you know, generally. I think we, we recognise that, um, you know, this, there are pros and cons to, um, you know, the timing of, of release. Um, you know, for us, we've got a very, you know, we've got a long-term view on, you know, what role should we be, be playing in, in, in helping the Australian economy transition to a low-carbon future. Um, you know, so we're probably less interested in, in um, some of the short, shorter-term, um, you know, shenanigans around what precise date should a, should a, rule, a rule change drop. Mm. Ben, I, I, can I, Ben, uh, it's just interesting to me because you are, as you say, one of the largest in terms of PPA. You have to start going up to a very energy intensive industry like metal processing or aluminium to get much bigger than Telstra. You've mm. chosen to do the PPAs, I guess, directly with the um, uh, entrepreneur or whatever, the sponsor of the of a Maramara mm. or, 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 or Emerald. But I mean, wouldn't an alternative be to work through the other big gen tailors and 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 um, I'm just trying to understand this disintermediation, if I can put it, use that word, mm. or, or or how you think about uh, your role uh, going forward in in sort of uh, you know helping more broadly yeah. to make uh, industry uh, more renewable. Hmm. Mm. Um. Yeah, really good question. And I think the, you know, the, the, the trick for us was that, you know, we don't have, um, you know, thermal, uh, thermal legacy assets, right? We just don't, we just don't have them. And so we, we looked at the market afresh. Um, and if, you know, you, you look at the trajectory of levelised cost of energy for renewable projects um, in the last, you know, eight years uh, against the sort of, um you know, prevailing market price, and it actually there was a financial trade there that that um, existed quite independently of um, you know a climate ambition, um, which is just simply that you know Telstra is exposed to a very large energy bill every year, um, and this was a financial, essentially a, a financial instrument that enabled us to have um, uh, a corresponding exposure to. Um, you know, a fixed basis of um, or fixed price energy supply um, that it was as a de- at a deep discount to the prevailing um, spot market. So um, for us, it was a risk management tool um, uh, as well as a really effective um, mechanism to stimulate new or the establishment or the, the development of um, new renewable energy. And that was not possible had we just simply gone to a, a gen tailor and said, hey, can you give us a cheap price? And but now, of course, the forward prices that I look at, and who knows whether they're, you know, COVID influenced, and and the oil price will go mm. back up, and so will the gas price, blah blah blah. Um, but it doesn't look like such a, an easy win on a pure financial basis, even though the wind and solar prices themselves have come down. But I mean, you guys, I guess, yeah, can get I, particularly I attractive PPO. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going to say. I, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, the, the, it's less attractive these days than it was, right? But but the spreads the spreads are still there, and um, I think uh, you know, 
co- there's definitely a temporary overlay to the COVID um, piece, um, you know, obviously heavily inf- influenced by oil. Um, but, yeah, you know, there, there is a step change in, um, in pricing that has been driven by, um, you know, influx of um, renewable energy, which we'd, you know, we'd been sort of predicting for many, many years. Um, uh, and in fact, we see that as a great outcome for Australia and a great out- outcome for Telstra, because at the end of the day, we've still got a large energy bill. The fact that we have um, a, an investment position uh, in a couple of um, renewable projects, um, uh, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a risk mitigation move. Um, but overwhelmingly, we're still exposed to the energy price. And so seeing, seeing the energy price come down, you know, we're pleased for that um, in terms of our own, our own you know, um, uh, financial performance, but also we're pleased that Australian customers are benefiting from that. Just on that, um, you say you so far you've got a solar farm up in Queensland, and you've got um, you know much of a uh, a wind farm in Victoria. So what's what are you looking at now? What have you seen in terms of? I mean, you obviously haven't done a formal tender yet, or maybe you're in the process of doing so. But what have you seen in terms of prices since you did those two deals? And um, what's um yeah what do you what are you um what are you seeing in the market? And, and, and maybe you could also make yeah. a comment about sort of um, sort of firming technology prices as well. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So de- definitely, um, uh, and maybe I won't, I won't sort of give you specific, um, specific numbers because, um, you know, I don't want to sort of undermine the negotiating, you know, um, opportunity for our team <laughs> in actually going out. We, we won't tell anyone. Deal, right? Yeah, no, okay, okay. We'll just, we'll just keep it between us. Um, the, the thing we've seen, I reckon, is that the, the firming aspect um, of these deals is the is the that's the element that's probably moved most dramatically in the last the last um, say four years. Um, whereas if you go back beyond four years, um, we were seeing, you know, the the, the big reductions were ha- were happening on the fuel side, and when I say the fuel side, I mean the um, you know the intermittent um, you know renewable generation piece. Um, so I think that's that's one trend that we're we have been seeing, and we're continue we we we're keen for that to continue. Um, the the other thing I'd say, and this is this is probably for you know for people who might be in the in the market for corporate PPAs in, in your audience, is that um, the trend we saw over a three year period um, on a sort of levelised cost of energy basis, dollars per megawatt hour. Um, the movement we saw in the general market was outstripped by an order of magnitude in terms of the spread we were seeing between um, the price of a you know, a smaller deal versus a larger deal. The the advantage of scale was significant. Hence hence why our second deal we did as a syndicate because we um, we saw direct benefits from clubbing up with you know ANZ. Um, the two universities and, and Coke um, that made a big difference to the to the entry price we were able to achieve. And so, um, you know, honestly, we've spoken to counterparties where, you know, the difference between being in the syndicate versus not being in the syndicate is like a factor of two and a half times gross. Gee, and that's I, huge. I guess the yeah. credit rating, yeah, the credit rating that Telstra can bring to it is uh, important in terms of the. You know, revenue certainty is a huge driver of the um, cost of capital with for for the developer. Absolutely, 
and this this is the point. This, this is the this is the crux of the deal. Is that um, if a developer needs to you know um, go merchant, you know the cost of capital they need to bear in order to do that um, is is big, like really big. Um, whereas if you take you know essentially just credit risk um, against Telstra um, on a long term you know fixed revenue contract, then um, yeah, the compression of, of um, cost of capital has a big, big impact on the levelized cost of energy. So, um, you know, really it's, it's about the inter- intersection of two markets, one, one being the capital funding market um, intersecting with the underlying um, physical energy market. Ben, you've been a long time uh, a very, and a very passionate um, advocate for the clean energy transition. And I do remember when you were CEO of PowerShop and you turned up at the first energy transition conference held by um, Renew Economy. And um, you had this wonderful discussion with two of the biggest um, gen tailors and incumbents in the industry. In fact, they were so captivated that um, even those guys didn't want to leave um, for the whole day. And um, it was fantastic to, to hear you taking them on. I'm just wondering, I mean, you don't want to probably, you know, it's more of a sensitive position now that you're in Telstra and um, a bigger corporate and, and, and the role there. But I'm just wondering, do you see, I mean, you know, We've had wind and solar farms into the market, and we've had a fallen costs. We've had fallen. We've had battery storage in there, but to what extent do you actually see change in corporate Australia? To what extent do you see change in the energy industry itself, and maybe even the institutions and the regulations and things like that? And and how hopeful does that um, make you, in the sense of well, Telstra might have a target of one hundred percent renewables by twenty twenty five, but you know, when should Australia have a similar target, and and, and can it get there? Yeah, so I think I, I'm always hopeful, always, because you know, um, being defeatist is um, well, it's pathetic, uh, but also it's not it's not particularly effective. So, um, al- always hopeful, and I think, yeah, you know, what what's been really good, um, you know, you know, joining Telstra is that, you know, the, the sheer scale of our reach and involvement in things. Um, is actually a real, you know, it can be a real advantage. Um, you know, with that advantage comes comes a degree of, of responsibility as well. And I think what's um, awesome is that, you know, Telstra is stepping up to the plate and you saw Andy, um, you know, taking a pretty bold position, um, you know, a few weeks ago and saying, well, yeah, we're going to, let's, let's do carbon neutral this year and, you know, 100% renewable by 2025 and, and um, let's eat into... Um, you know, half of our absolutes by 2030. So, you know, these are um, um, these are big moves on a on a large scale. And so, I think not not only do we need to sort of um, take accountability for our own um, our own footprint and our own impacts, which is what Andy's Andy's done. But you know, Telstra is also really keen to um, you know help other customers who either don't have the scale or don't have the depth. Um, to take advantage of some of these mechanisms to make a difference. And so, you know, the PPA, the syndicated PPA with um, Murrawarra was a good example. It, you know, we wanted to give other people access um, to this platform in order to, um, you know, get on board to, to decarbonise the Australian economy because, um, you know, whinging about policy settings, um, you know, that's that's uh, that can't be the only tool in the kit bag. Like, we've got to actually just, um, you know, change people's minds um, by changing their behaviour rather than convincing them 
um, to change their beliefs in order to, to um, change their behaviour. So change the behaviour first um, and, you know, uh, beliefs often follow. So I think that's that's what's really exciting um, about some of the emerging sort of opportunities for us is that, you know, we see, an op- uh, we, we see the chance to, you know, talk to, um, you know, really large volumes of people um, and have the, the, you know, the really unique and rare privilege to sort of, you know, sit at the edge of their life um, and, and understand what, what, what drives them and what, what is most likely to sort of shift, um, you know, thinking and, and changes in behaviour that are going to be needed to, to get us to a, a decarbonised economy. So, so Ben, um, just let me ask, uh, you know, a lot, some people will tell you the corporate PPA market's saturated now and uh, uh, I, I'm just trying to understand uh, and uh, do, you, can you, do you think it would be tough for Telstra to put a syndicate together now to, to, do, a, to do another Murrawarra or, or, or something similar? Well, I think um, just going back out to market and, you know, replicating, you know, doing a cookie cutter, I think, you know, you can you can saturate any market if you if you try hard enough. Um, I think the, the trick for us is to um, you know really sort of think about what what are the um, you know what are the aspects of the price duration curve we want to go and you know, have most most exposure to. What what are the other elements we can introduce into a deal to to make it you know um, more interesting or or tackle an an, an additional underlying problem that's out there. So. Um, you know, if we if we simply say I want to do what I did last time, um, then you know, of course you run into um, uh, you know uh, pinch points in supply and demand. But you know, for us, it's a uh, you know it truly is a portfolio, and the portfolio includes not just the PPAs, but the the battery fleet we have, the um, you know the position we have as a you know, registered market generator. Um, and so for us, we're we're actually agnostic on you know asset class or um, technology, we're, we're much more interested in sort of thinking about what, what's the impact we can have um, on our portfolio and on on the on the market as a whole. I, I guess I, uh, I, I mean, go. I'll go. No, Joel. you go, David. No, no, you go. Well, this is a, no, no, you go, Charles. Go on, go on. Well, that's about to wrap it up. So you better make, you, you better ask the question. Oh, I just uh, uh, quickly uh, wanted to ask. So from time to time, we see. Uh, uh, some of the um, um, gentailers thinking they've got a big customer base, and so why not uh, broaden the range of products and 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 go into um, you know get have a telco's business? I mean, OGLs have a look at that. I just wondered. I've never thought that's a particularly good idea myself, uh, even though I've got a Dingo Blue T-shirt. Uh, and I'm just wondering uh, whether you think uh, uh, you know telcos sh- should maybe go into the electricity business. I mean, you've got a lot of customers. Well, I don't know if yeah, you I actually think... do have a lot of customers that belong. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got we're we're very grateful to have the customers we have, um, and I think you know the the question with these things is um, you know a, a, actually working out what what's what's the ability to um, make a material impact on solving um, problems that are important in the customer's life. And so, you know, whether or not we think something's a particularly good idea, actually, at the end of the day, it's kind of, it's not that relevant. Um, and I think sometimes we kind of, we fall into the trap of, um, uh, you know, over, overestimating um, our importance 
um, in this equation. And so, um, yeah, being really clear about what, what difference would you make for a customer if you were to move into a new space? I think that's always something that's got to be uh, considered really, really carefully. Thanks. And I, I guess it would be a trusted brand name or something like that. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, thank you. That's a good <laughs> Good one. So, so just just to sort of wrap up then, just the sort of the final question. Um, I'm guessing because you're aiming for 2025, 400% renewables, you better get cracking out there on the market to get these next um, wind and solar farms built. We're eager but not desperate, Charles. <laughs> I think that's a good negotiating stance. Um, Ben, it's been fantastic um, having you on board. Look, um, good luck uh, with this education and this thumbprint campaign with Belong and um, good luck with all the different projects that are happening at Telstra, um, not least your 100% renewables, but also, you know, um, renewing your battery storage capabilities and, um, and capacity. And um, look, um, sounds like a pretty exciting thing all around. Always love talking to you guys. Thank you. That was Ben Burge, head of Belong, and also part of the Telstra Energy team. Um, fascinating to hear him talk about the PPA market. Look, it was quite interesting to talk about the mobile data stuff at the at, at the beginning, and the, the the fact that most people aren't aware of um, the emissions that they um, that they emit in um, in using their mobile data, and um, and not really even aware of what carbon neutrality is. But um, I guess for our market, um, his comments about the PPA market PPA market were quite interesting. Uh, yes, it's, look, it's great to hear Ben, and he was—he uh, spoke really well, and obviously knows a, a lot of stuff. Uh, my observation had been it's really hard, even with all the things he's done, and even with being the pioneer. In fact, the uh, carbon emissions of Telstra aren't falling that much or that quickly, and you know he's still only succeeded on, in his view, of getting about thirty percent of the um, electricity consumption up up to renewables. So there's, you know, even the keenest have still got a way to go. I guess, though, it does point to that there's an awful lot of ways, an awful lot to travel in the corporate PPA market. So if the people like Telstra are back out there sort of doing um, tendering and, and, and looking for new deals, then the chances are, um, you know, the, what's the potential for all the other big consumers out there? But um, anyway, we shall wait and see. Now, he did mention the five-minute rule, and um, the five-minute rule has sort of raised its head. It was supposed to come in at the um, halfway through point of uh, 2021, but it looks like it might be delayed and um, possibly one of the last acts of the chairman of the Australian Energy Market Commission, John Pearce, who's announced today that he's stepping down as expected and as contracted on July the 3rd. Yes, so um, it's goodbye to John, but of course the his replacement hasn't been announced yet and I guess that'll be an absolutely critical appointment in the industry. Uh, John Pierce had been with the AEMC for a long time, and I think myself, like a number of CEOs in corporations that I saw over the years, uh, they start out incredibly brightly and everyone loves them, uh, but it doesn't always end up that way. And uh, uh, certainly I found that um, the AEMC didn't ever seem to really get it properly uh, in over the last five or six years, I could point to a whole range of areas. But let's not spend too much time in the past. Let's simply note that there is likely to be quite a lot of changes in the way the AEMC operates going forward because uh, the executive chairman uh, will have a big influence on the culture. Uh, and so we wait and see. 
of another era, I think is probably the best to describe. And um, yes, as you say, the next appointment will be quite crucial. Maybe someone like Ben Burge could um, put his hand up for the role and uh, be put in there. That would certainly shake things up. Um, what else do we have on the menu, um, David? Uh, what, look, what? Biggest stock farm, the biggest, the biggest stock farm, the biggest wind farm, which is called Stockyard Hill, began generating um, this week. First connection to the grid, so that's a milestone, and people do like reading about milestones. Stockyard Hill, of course, is the biggest wind farm, or will be the biggest wind farm in Australia once completed, five hundred and thirty megawatts, instead of a bit of a a landmark PPA deal, which we never actually found out what the real price was, but we were told it was in the low fifty dollars a megawatt hour for wind, which at the time was fabulously low. It's going to mean, uh, along with the Murrable wind farm, and as we've all known for a long time, uh, quite a lift in the Victorian uh, uh, BRE share or the share of uh, electricity that comes from wind in Victoria and from solar. Uh, it's been a very long time coming, Stockyard Hill. It was an early project, uh, but it's been bypassed by many others along the way. Um, and we will hope that it does a bit better than, uh, say, MacArthur, uh, uh, which was uh, previously the biggest wind farm, but has been an actual dog in terms of its performance. Uh, equally, we've seen that the private market is uh, starting to see more value in wind farm producers. Um, last year, we had a, well, a, 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 a bid from in, by Infotool for, for Tilt, which didn't end up quite succeeding. Uh, we've seen this year uh, Federation having a go at uh, Windlab, uh, a small company without much recurring income, uh, which is what uh, the stock market tends to want to see. And now we've seen a Philippines-backed company that uh, UPC is it that uh, having having a bid for essentially the last listed wind developer, which is Infogen. Uh, so um, not quite yeah, sure that, what to that- make about that. It's an interesting one, actually. Yeah, UPC comes from a sort of a consortium with so many damn acronyms, I can't quite follow it. But there's UPC and AC, and together they produce UAC, and they're all kind of owned or partly owned by Ayala Corp, which is from the Philippines. UPC are interesting because they are the promoters of a very, very big wind project in Tasmania, which is run into a bit of flat with some locals. That's the Robbins Island and the Jim's Plains one, which is probably can get built to a certain extent, but to full, its full extent would need the Marinus Link and the Battery of the Nation project. It's also behind a pumped hydro project in South Australia, which we're still waiting to hear from. I think they're all queuing for some sort of assistance, either from Arena or from the federal government. Haven't heard much about that, but it seems to me to be a play just to sort of have a listed equity and possibly some cash flow from the um, from the Infogen, Infogen um, which already has operating assets and a reasonable amount of cash flow. So maybe that's their play. I think Invigen on Thursday did put out a response to it, which wasn't detailed, but sort of had raised its eyebrows about whether the UPC had um, sufficient funding in the background. But um, I guess that's all part of the cut and thrust of um, hostile takeovers. Three quarters of a billion is a substantial amount of money to have to raise. Uh, uh, naturally, the uh, management and defence say take no action. And so, again, we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. Um, uh, at 80 cents. I mean, the thing was floated, I think, originally at a dollar years and years ago. Um, and it's been through a checkered history in Virgin. But I must say, um, it's do- it seems to be doing pretty well the last uh, year or so. Um, so just just to observe that the, the listed share market really doesn't seem to be uh, investors, superannuation funds don't seem to see the same value in these assets 
that private equity tends to see. And that's the, the main mm. point. Just also while we're talking about stock markets and little bits and pieces, um, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times that uh, uh, the Magnus Group, amongst others, wants to get a battery factory, assembly factory or something going with some special technology uh, in Townsville. And they've raised a whole one and a half million I can't really think uh, BYD or um, uh, Telstra is going to be shaking in its boots at this. And, and I can't quite understand uh, where all the market for batteries is in Townsville. Um, I'm pretty sure you could actually ship a uh, battery pack from, from um, uh, you know, Shanghai to, uh, 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 to Sydney a lot cheaper than you could from Townsville. But it, nevertheless, they've, they've raised the money. So that's interesting to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, it is an interesting one. Look, I think the theory behind that um, project is that Australia has all the minerals, perhaps, perhaps one day for 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 the battery um, for the battery market, electric vehicles. But, but um, so so maybe you can sort of put it all together and then sort of ship it out elsewhere. But um, I guess um, they need another one and a half million dollars to sort of continue to crunch the numbers, and we wish them well with that. Um, David, I don't know how well um, ITK Services is doing, but Porsche Taycan, Porsche, Porsche have just announced that their um, electric car, the um, Taycan, is going to be landing in Australia very soon, and um, pretty good deal. I think the cheapest one's one hundred eighty thousand, and the full the full bottle is about three hundred and fifty thousand. I'm not too sure whether it's going to make a big difference to the EV market, but certainly an interesting addition. Well, I think there are two routes to to success in battery electric vehicles, and and it's not really my speciality, but I'd observe that Australia, it's one area where I think the state governments have been incredibly slow to do anything in is supporting electric vehicles. And it seems to me so dumb. You know, it really does because, um, you know, uh, even if you leave aside the fact that we mine most of the minerals that go into a battery in Australia, whether it's lithium or, or um uh, uh, or nickel, I mean, the fact is we're a very heavily oil dependent country. Uh, and you know we've just spent 100 million on a strategic oil reserve, which we which is in America, so that's a big help. Uh, um, <laughs> but we, we, you know the state governments, we just could it would be so easy to do something. And uh, the uh, uh, imports of cars are just terrible at the moment. I you know so a little birdie was telling me that one of the worst hit sectors is the is the motor vehicle sector. There are motor vehicle uh, repair operations and sales operations in every country town, in every suburb, pretty much. Uh, it's just a sector that you could get some immediate bang for buck rather than, you know, going into the planning uh, to build a, 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 a rail to heavy rail to Badgerys Creek Airport that won't be needed for 20 years at, at the earliest uh, or across Trans, Trans Australia gas pipe. We could be doing something to stimulate electric vehicles that would create sales within five minutes. So this is the sort of thing I think we would go on. And you can see in the solar industry, which I noticed the rooftop solar industry continues uh, just going from strength to strength. I mean, it's incredible that in May, I think it was, it uh, did over 200 megawatts, didn't it? Yes, despite the COVID turn down, um, unusual turn down from April to May. That doesn't usually happen, but it's still two hundred and twenty megawatts. I think it was Dave. That's the third. That's the third um, highest month on record behind the two previous months. So you know, as you, as your article said, uh, even it, it'll have to slow pretty fast uh, if it is to fall below two gigawatts this year, and it remains uh, pretty much uh, you know one of the most uh, powerful forces in the whole electricity market is what's happening in rooftop. And uh, just as with electric uh, vehicles, uh, I think state governments could do a little bit more with very cheap incentives. I mean, how much does it cost really right now to say electric vehicles could park uh, in the city uh, and, or, or for free uh, or to give yeah. a bit of a registration uh, reduction? It really wouldn't cost anything uh, significant because there aren't that many vehicles yet. 
Uh, as I say, well, we could do a little bit more. Go on. No, no, no. Well, no, no sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, but um, look, New South Wales actually did announce some small initiative, um, and it went. Look, I think I think it had an, a, a goal to have ten percent of its government fleet to be electric or plug-in hybrid or something like that by twenty thirty. Now it's actually trebled that to make thirty percent by twenty thirty. But that is really um, it, it's really small beer. Um, we're probably talking about a couple of hundred vehicles, and you'd actually think that because of their most all those vehicles are on leases, and it's already demonstrated that um, leasing electric vehicles uh, is, is is cheaper than fossil fuels. They could actually go the, the whole hog. Some really interesting data. You talked about the collapse in car sales. Um, it well, had it has collapsed, and in the last month, in the month of May, it collapsed by more than fifty percent for passenger passenger car sales, and more than thirty percent for SUVs. But but the market for full electrics and plug-in hybrids and straight hybrids actually um, jumped again, albeit from a very small base. But interesting to see those markets increasing while the market for petrol and diesel cars just completely plunges. And that's 26 months of consecutive falls now, of which a 50% fall is on top of it. Well, we wouldn't want to convince ourselves we're economists, would we, Giles? Uh, uh, otherwise, we'd have to change the name. But... Uh, um, I, that, that's yeah. interesting that electric vehicles continue to do so well. And, and, and my point is it should go beyond just government purchases. They should stimulate the whole uh, market and as, and they can do that. State governments, it's no good. You don't need to have a look at the federal government. I mean, this is something the Victorian government could do, right? It's a Labor government that wants to be, believes in climate change, believes in renewable energy. Let's see it on the electric vehicles. It's something the Queensland uh, government could do very quickly as well. I mean, uh, 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 you know, and would probably be much appreciated uh, coming up to an election later in this year. But Giles, we've uh, between us and and our guest, uh, we're probably getting to the end of uh, our, our listeners' time. I think you might be right. Look, it's time to thank the sponsors, um, Evergen and Solaray Energy. We do appreciate your support. Um, it's time to thank our listeners as well for um, for tuning in once again. Please do leave a review, preferably preferably on the Apple. Um, platform and um, also just sort of point out the uh, Solar Insiders podcast uh, we recorded this week. We actually had an interview with Stefan Janassen from Solar Analytics and quite an interesting one too about the need for monitoring and more visibility on rooftop solar and um, I thought that was quite was probably quite worth, worth listening. David, thank you very much once again and uh, we'll be back again next week. Energy Insiders was brought to you by Evergen, a market-leading renewable energy software business that optimises the performance of residential and commercial solar and battery systems. Evergen enables large numbers of systems to operate as a single fleet, so network operators can use them as a virtual power plant, generating significant value for consumers, network operators and the energy system as a whole. Evergen software is powering the energy of the future. Energy Insiders is also sponsored by Solaray Energy, experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring. They're the smart choice for consumers and business. Visit solaray.com.au and secure your energy future today.